starting a startup. I know it's been a long eight weeks, but you know what? I didn't want to sit there and bombard you with a bunch more conversation about fucking COVID because honestly, I think we're all sick of hearing about that shit. Uh, anyways, we've got a ton of updates. Uh, we're high caliber wise, combat carding wise, all the things in between. And I do have to talk a little bit about COVID because if you're listening to this, I don't know, like 20 years from now, what it is, you have no idea what it was like to go through this shit. So it's a great way for me to be able to look back on it and realize how many bad decisions and how stupid this whole situation was. Uh, anyways, guys, so uh, I have held off on these podcasts specifically because I didn't want to keep talking about the same thing that everybody's talking about. I want to be able to give an update when something was a little bit more unique and stuff was changing and whatnot. Now, we did have a bunch of stuff changing along the way, and I wanted to give updates with that stuff, but I figure I can wrap it all up into one and be able to add it here. So buckle in hopefully you're having fun uh listening to this stuff and hopefully this one's a good one for you um so in a nutshell uh last eight weeks dealing with covid still dealing with my recovery from my major accident still and that was just a massive son of a bitch but really we had to be focused on what can we do in those times so what happened was was uh all these executive orders have been coming out 170 of them as i'm recording this and they were constantly changing really like how the business evolved and what we were doing and stuff and how we had to operate. Well, our whole team were constantly were listening and watching and planning and preparing and changing out the way we operate and investing tens of thousands of dollars into the business to be paired to reopen with this whole pandemic going on. We were realizing that, honestly, we need to think about this like, uh, you know, what, what was it we went into business for? And we realized we went into business to just get people to have some fucking fun and connect. So if that's our priority, how can we get them to do that again? And really it boiled down to, we need to make them feel comfortable to do it. So we needed to be champions of the safe reopening during all this virus stuff so that people felt comfortable to come play. Cause that's what we're here for. We need to create that environment. It hit me when I was driving by uh, a Planet Fitness back earlier when uh, COVID first hit, um, everybody was kind of freaking out, not really sure how to perceive it and whatnot, but that gym was still fucking packed. And I realized they're there because they feel comfortable because of how clean the environment they have. So if we can be the equivalent of that for the entertainment space, people will show up and they'll have fun. And that's what we're here for. So the whole team was redoing all the plans and you know structure and how we operate. Hell, we even did a soft opening to test all this stuff out. We tried to open three different times. Um, in the process of actually here in one week, we'll have been closed officially for six months. Actually, uh, this weekend is the one year anniversary of when we opened, so we'll have been open for exactly six months and closed for exactly six months. Honestly, for a business to survive that, that's difficult in the first place, let alone a business that just fucking started. So I'm proud of my team for being able to do that. But at the end of the day, we tried to open three different times and invested about a quarter million dollars to be able to make that happen. And we were identified as you know, the safest and we're the most prepared and we did the soft opening. Everybody's like, yeah, you're knocking out of the park. You're doing way more than anybody else. So we opened the door, right? And we opened it up for the indoor space and we're counting how many people come in and we're enforcing masks and everything that, we got, that we're supposed to do uh, legally and honestly, ethically at this point. 
And as we're doing this, we get a police officer that comes in on day two of us being open and says, you can't be open, you're in violation of Executive Order 2020-160, which, which says no indoor or outdoor amusement can be open. Well guys, this entire time, all of our competition is actually still open. We're, our, all the cart tracks have been open, all the outdoor venues are open, all of the people that are similar to, you know, like the, the arcades and stuff are open. Really, trampoline parks, gyms, and bowling alleys, and movie theaters are the only ones that are pretty consistently closed around the, uh, around the state. Everybody else is operating. So it's kind of a son of a bitch. We're looking at it, and we're going, no, we're doing everything right. We're going to stay open. If you guys don't like it, then you can take some legal action. Well, guess what happened? Not but four days later, we get a cease and desist order from the, the prosecuting attorney of Ingham County. And that was a big blow. Because honestly, we had done everything we could to open. And we were ahead of the curve for how we should do it and how we should prepare, you know, take care of our guests and stuff. And yet, just because we're lumped into this outdoor or this indoor amusement thing, we end up, we're, we're told to close. It doesn't matter the steps we're taking. It's just we are, it, it, you know, it's, it's almost like a, a, a racial thing, or not a racial thing, a, a discrimination thing against us because we just seem concerning. There's no science or facts to back up that we can't be any different than your fucking grocery store down the road. But we were told we had to close. Now, my initial gut reaction am I'm fighting. This is bullshit. I'm going to tear them apart. We are going to be, I'm going to be that guy that's on the fucking news nationwide and it's going to tear, you know, just, we're going to change the world with this way. Well, like any good CEO should do, I called everybody who's been doing this shit longer than I've been alive, and everybody across the board said, do not do that. They gave me examples, they showed me of how those martyrs tend to just get destroyed. Now, we may have gotten something to change, but at the end of the day, I would have lost everything we have. Now, you gotta understand, my wife and I cashed out every fucking penny we had to start this company. We cashed out the 401k I've had since I was 15 years old. We refinanced our house. I quit my job. We moved all of our, we sold our income properties. We moved every dollar we had into this company to the point that when we opened, when we did our soft opening, we had between the business and our personal bank account, not to mention the $2 million or so that we spent in getting up and running or, uh, for the SBA loan, uh, you know, on top of all the investment we did personally and whatnot, we had $5 in the bank. It's a terrifying place for a business to be, and we're just watching our bank account drop over and over and over again. And man, it was just, it was getting hard. And when we got that cease and desist order and we were being told not to do anything, not to fight it, man, it was, it just shut us down. Almost everybody, the whole team, you could see it in their eyes. I watched core members of our management team with tears in their eyes. Now, over this time, since, since then, you know, we've been, I've been fighting this shit for five months, you know, and a lot of people didn't realize all the things that, that I was doing to try to get us open and try to get us prepared. And I was just honestly exhausted at this point. And I just realized I'm going to shut the doors on this company. I'm done. I'm going to pretend like this company doesn't fucking exist anymore. Because honestly, if I keep on trying to fight this shit, I'm going to lose my mind and my sanity and my bank account. So I'm gonna pretend like this company's closed. I'm gonna negotiate with my vendors. I'm gonna ask them for forgivenesses and try to get it to where they're not charging us for lease and insurance and things like that so that we can survive this. Because as long as this, as long as high caliber carding physically exists and I own it, 
it's still gonna fucking be here to produce. And it's going, it, it was a great company that produced a great profitability that the community absolutely loved. And we can be that again because it will go back that direction, but we have to weather this storm. So I went back and started negotiating. In the meantime, a lot of my team is going, well, let's fight. And I'm asking, where have you been the last five months? I've been fighting. There's no more fighting. We can't go any further. It's going to cost us a quarter million dollars to file a lawsuit for this and defend it. We need to just go into hibernation. We don't have that money right now at all. So what I had to do was kind of build, you know, build the relationships and stuff to help try to get our voice across without being a dick. You know, at the end of the day, the government has to make a decision on what they're doing with all this stuff, and they have implications of life or death with it. They have way more fucking stress than I do. I'm not going to die if my business doesn't open. But people may die if we do open my business if you know, what the way they were pitching it at the time was true, which we know it's not. We've seen it. The science is there. Anything can, it can, we can be as safe as the safest places out there. There's no problem with being able to reopen in a, uh, an entertainment space any different than any other business. But they don't know that. They can't know that. They're not in the entertainment industry. They're in the fucking government business, okay? So I sympathize. They've got very difficult decisions to make, and they've got to make it calculated. So I'm not mad, but I'm frustrated because my hands are tied. So we start doing conversations with the different senators, and uh, I ended up getting invited. Uh, my wife and I, we went and spoke at the Senate. Uh, we testified in front of the Senate and the House of Representatives um, and got the, the voice across that, look, we're doing everything you told us and then some. We're doing everything we can to be safe. I can walk into any fucking business right now that isn't doing half of what we're doing. Yet we're meant to be closed. And I said, just tell me what I got to do. Create some rules. Tell me all the fucking hoops I've got to jump through, but give me a direction to where I can reopen. Because right now, you're just saying you can't open until we tell you that you can. And I say, okay, when are you thinking? You go, I don't know. How the hell can you operate as a business that way? How can, you know, I've got to provide for my family. I've got personal guarantees. I have the, the, the chance to lose everything that I've been working for for the last 20 fucking years of my life because somebody felt uncomfortable with the, the, the territory we were in, even though I'm doing everything and then some that they're saying needs to be done for a business to operate. So it was kind of a son of a bitch, but I got, I got a chance to start thinking about it. And, I, and you know, I spent a couple pretty rough days. They were very difficult for me to be able to swallow what we were, the cards we were being dealt. And, you know, I, I'm going through questions like, you know, is, is it just me? Am I just, am, am I thinking that I'm better than where I really am in this? Do I just feel like I don't deserve this? Like, what am I, why am I in this situation? Well, I realized that, well, and I should also say during this, I'm also coming off of all my pain prescriptions from my uh, injury. So, yeah, going through withdrawal on, uh, on narcotics is not exactly a fun place to be when you're going through a situation this demanding. But nonetheless, you got to do it sooner or later. And it always, later always sounds right, but sooner is always what is actually right. So I started realizing, okay, I have no control over this situation anymore. I wish I did and I want to, but I don't. What do I have control over? And those things are, that I do have control over is things like, you know, negotiating with my vendors to get that cost of high caliber to put it in, to, to put it in a uh, kind of like a sleep mode. And that way we can survive the, the storm. But also focusing our effort over to combat carding. 
Now you know that combat carding has been something we've been working with for a long time. It's the basically best way to describe it, real life Mario Kart. Well now I've got my core salary team that I need to keep paid so that they can stay with the company. Because if I lose my core management team, it's going to be so much more difficult to get this business up and running, if not impossible. Because your business is only successful to the level of, of, of achievement that your employees that work for you or work with you are able to achieve. If you have great people, you'll have a great business. Nobody will argue with that. It's absolute truth. So I'm trying to figure out how can I substantiate their costs of their labor? Well, let's give them some things that they can work on with, high, with combat carding. So we looked at, okay, we have some high caliber projects. Let's finish those. Let's get our accounting finalized. Let's get our payroll and stuff like that all lined up. Let's restructure out what our uh, staffing model is going to look like. And let's prepare for when we do reopen. Instead of doing, you know, an individual pay-to-play thing, like we do packages and we do, you know, uh, unlimited access for a dollar amount and we do online booking. And so we planned all those things out and we, we got through and figured it all out. And then after that, it was, okay, now let's focus on combat carding. Let's bring in a group of 30 people who can run this system, test it out, tell us what we need to do to improve, survey them, get some statistics to it, and get make it so it's the best fucking product that can hit the market out there. We did that. And the nice thing is, is since we were doing that through Combat Carding LLC, that's a development company. It's an R&D company. So it gave us the ability to be able to operate that inside of high caliber because it's not indoor entertainment at that point. We're not selling entertainment. We were doing research and development. So we're operating legally. We're using the, 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 uh, the, the labor that we have wisely. Um, but there, you know, honestly, there's a ticking clock on all that stuff. Um, but the, the th idea was, is, you know, we had tried to pivot into different things before. This was going to be the one that, as it legally sits now, we'd be fine. One of the other pivots I didn't talk about a little bit before was we tried to set up an outdoor entertainment space before that Executive Order 202160 went out. Uh, spent $40,000 on patio sets and uh, shade sales and all sorts of shit to be able to zone off this area so we could have an outdoor entertainment space to draw people and attract them into the facility. Um, unfortunately, that got blocked too, so we wasted all that money. And we knew when we were building it, it was like, man, if we pull the trigger on this, you know, this is some cash that we really need to have to survive. And Governor Whitmer could just, on a whim, say, you know what, no, you can't do that anymore. And suddenly that entire investment is wasted because we're just coming up on winter right now here soon and you can't have it open. And that's exactly what happened. We, we waited a little bit, we tested the water and it just seemed like it was fine for outdoor stuff. So we pulled the trigger and we're like, okay, we can get two months of where we have the outdoor space stuff and that can help drive our, our demand, or the amount of uh, volume that we can facilitate because we're restricted down to only 75 people indoors. So if we're like, okay, we, you know, we can have you know, 100 people outside. Now we have 175 we can service. That's a much better revenue model. It'll get us surviving and we can get that until winter. And then by then, hopefully this stuff has changed out enough to where we have more capacity for the indoor space. So outside of that, we're now pivoting, focus on combat carding, create the new business model for the shareholder agreement and get the investors and the business plan and how we're gonna get to market and start calling those people and start selling the system. Like, all these pieces we said this is what i have control over right now and i can tell you that there's going to be points in your life life is a long journey where you feel like you lose control everybody has it but you know what you always have control over something and if you focus on the things you have control over 
and not worry about the things that are outside of your control, you're gonna be a much happier and clear-minded person and much more successful. So driving the whole team in that direction has been insanely beneficial. It's actually gotten me to the point where I'm starting to realize that this was supposed to happen. We were supposed to put attention to combat carding. The opportunity combat carding has for us for the next three years is miles more than what the brick and mortar facility has. We had to spend two years and you know, half a million dollars developing it and then some, but now it's developed. Now it's time to take action on that. So this whole shutdown and cease and desist, it, it's actually scary that it needed to happen. Now, once you have that purpose, once you understand that you're doing, there's something else is playing that's bigger than you, it makes it a lot easier to take steps forward because you can have faith knowing that the universe has got your back there. And that, that may sound hippie as fuck, but I'm going to tell you right now, I have seen it over and over and over again. It always shows, I, I always see that when shit goes south, there's a fucking reason it went south and there's a lot to be learned and a lot to be benefited from. And if you can change your mind to understand that that's exactly what is happening, any problem that hits you, any, any negative consequence to your life that's perceived, you'll find the positivity in it and you'll have a better life for it. I got criticized. Somebody said something about false positivity being a, a plague for, for society. And I wanted to punch that fucking person and say, there's no such thing as false positivity. As long as you take action, as long as you learn from it, and as long as you keep moving one foot in front of the other, you're going to have a successful life. And that fucking person that told me that, guess what they're doing? Not a fucking thing with their lives other than bitching at everybody about what they don't have control over. So I digress. We pivot back to combat carding. So we start bringing in this focus group. It's once a week. And we said, okay, for four weeks, we're going to have these people come in and we're going to survey them every week on something a little bit different. So um, the first week was, uh, it was intuition. So uh, the idea of like when they went out there, did they understand what was happening and how it worked? Uh, then the second week was user experience. How did the screen look? How were the sounds? How did you feel about this? How did you know this happened and stuff? Um, third week was the value prospectus. You know, how much would you be willing to pay for this? And how much would you value this combination of stuff for? And guys, I'll be honest, uh, reading through a survey and trying to get an understanding of what people are saying through an online survey is very challenging. And I think this is the problem with a lot of companies. They do those customer experience and customer satisfaction surveys. Well, the, the customer may not be able to tell you exactly what they're trying to say. So let me give you an example. One of the issues we had was we kept on being told that people didn't, couldn't see and understand our heads-up display. Well, we started asking questions like, you know, how did you know you, uh, your health was down? How did you know you had a shield? What weapon did you get? And they were answering all these questions and saying, yeah, the screen looks great. It makes sense and everything, but I'm not using it. And we got to the point where through many, asking the same question in many different ways, we realized the carts were too fucking fast. They were so busy trying to keep the cart in control, they couldn't see what was happening in front of their screen. So we dialed the carts back in speed-wise, not too much to where it took away from the experience, but enough to where it would give them a chance to be able to do glances and focus on it. You know, heads-up displays aren't new. They use it in fighter jets. They use it in race cars. I mean, fuck, Corvettes come from the factory. I think Bonneville's did. Like, it's pretty basic technology that's out there. But they, you, you don't stare at it. You don't watch it. It's a quick glance and go. So we needed to make sure that everything that was on that screen was something that could be glanced at and continue on. And then on top of that, have control and comfort of the carts. We dialed down the speed and all of a sudden everybody's like, oh my gosh, the screen is so much better than what it used to be. 
and we didn't make that many changes to it. So we were trying to perceive, we were asking these questions and the answers we were getting online didn't give us the, the real answers we needed. But at the end of the focus groups, we often had this open forum where we'd have, you know, 20 of the people would stick around and I would ask questions and they would start talking and people would bounce back and forth and feed on one another's feedback. And it got to a point where we really got the most valuable feedback during that open conversation. It wasn't always the easiest feedback to hear, but it gave us the answers of what we needed. So that focus group really got our product really dialed into your average customer of what is it they're looking for. Now, it was the same focus group that were handpicked. They know me from, you know, I'm the CEO. So, you know, there's going to be some things that we're going to have to uh, do modifications to when general public gets out there and has a little bit of a different experience and they pay for it and all that stuff. But this is our best foot forward right now. This is the best we can do given the current circumstances. And it's fucking phenomenal. The system is so goddamn good. It's better than anything I could have ever dreamed of and we're just getting started. On top of all of this shit we're doing with focus groups, we're building out our business model, we're working with investors, we're talking about our intellectual property strategy and how we can protect it and how we can launch and co-developments and uh, the strategic alliances and distributions. We're doing all those negotiations during the week, which is just a fast-paced tech startup that because we had, we had drawn the bow back, the arrow just had to be loaded to be ready to fire it. And starting now, we can fire that fucking arrow because we have a finished product. We already have the relationships out there. We already understand the market. We already understand the pricing model. We know it works. Now, ideally, we'd like to test this with a few thousand people in the general population. We're a little handcuffed there because we're closed. Well, we thought, how can we turn this in our control? So what we did is we looked at who has our operating system and who has our carts nearby that's similar to us. And we started calling those tracks and saying, hey, checking in to see, we have this system, we need to test it out somewhere. Is there any chance that you would be system? Well, right now everybody's broke. COVID took everybody's funds and dropped them through the, into the fucking toilet. But it made, it, real, it made us realize that we had an opportunity for a pricing model of giving them the system for free and doing a revenue share. It's nothing abnormal. The industry has that. It's you know our arcade equipment. We don't own our arcade equipment. We have a company that comes in, they pay to bring it in, they pay to maintain it and all that stuff. We drive the customers in, we collect the money, we do the redemption, and then we split the money in a certain percentage for a certain period of time that's pre-negotiated. Depending on what your relationship will be with that vendor, that's what you get. You know, that, That's your contract that you negotiate. Not everybody's is the same. So we thought, okay, let's go that model. It's familiar to people, it allows them to bring it in, it gives them something to attract new customers into their facility for, which everybody fucking needs right now. It's, it's honestly, this whole situation put us in the ideal circumstance to move forward. So as we call these tracks up and we talk to them about it, we get this, oh my God, yes, we would love to have that. Well, you know what? That's exactly what we needed to hear. So now we got cart track people coming in, testing the system out, distributors coming in, testing the system out, and really getting a good experience of just understanding that, holy shit, this system is amazing. We did a great job on developing it and we're just getting started. And they see that in the, compared to the competition, you know, we're going to continue to grow. We're going to continue to add additional uh, features and benefits. Whereas any of our competitors, they're not going to do that stuff. Anybody who's trying to develop this, they're going to get a product out and that's all it's going to be. We like to improve stuff. We like, we're constantly trying to improve and grow stuff. So we've got a two year roadmap of everything that we're going to do to grow that company. Well, you know, what's great about all that. That's the dream 
the, the fucking wet dream of an investor to hear. People who already have prospective clients, people who have interests, you have relationships, Bill, you have distribution set, the product's already finished. And we look at it and we really don't need that much money to be able to get us six months of operating capital to get things rolling. And then it can self-sustain itself. We're really in a really good position with combat carding. So now it's no longer, oh my God, what's happened to us? Now it's, fuck yeah, thank God that happened. Let's run forward with this. And all it was by switching the attention to what is outside of my control and what do I have control over? Now I do want to say, I personally have never experienced this combat carding system. During these focus groups, I needed to be able to listen to what people were saying for our feedback. If I drove the system, all I'm going to do is filter what they're saying with my perceived value and experience. Now there's some good things that can come from that, but we have a month of that stuff that we're doing. I might as well wait until the very end rather than constantly trying to change it based off of what my perception is because I'm just one fucking guy. If I have 30 people telling me one thing that I disagree with, I'm likely going to go more my direction because I'm a rather bullheaded individual with a pretty large ego. I think I know everything. So I force myself to not race this system other than just physically see it and watch what's happening and hear the feedback. And what's nice about that is I heard overwhelming this system is fucking amazing. I want to go again. I taste the blood. I want to fight. I want to play. I would value this highly. I would pay this. I would come back. I would tell friends over and over and over again. It puts us in a good position of not only confidence, but launching, which are kind of one and the same. If you don't have confidence, you ain't going to be able to launch shit. But now I've got everybody here has confidence in the system because we built it right. We listened to our customers and we made changes based on how they felt about the system. So we're planning out our target customers. We're planning out our investor portfolio. We're funding that. Now with all that, we're also unloading expenses from High Caliber because High Caliber has been bootstrapping this all since the get-go and it's really goddamn expensive to develop technology. So we're also making it that when High Caliber reopens, now it doesn't have a giant weight that it's dragging behind it of all this expensive development. Now combat carding can start to stand on its own. So we're gonna start doubling down on staff. Yesterday we made two full-time offers to teammates. Guys, we don't have that much money in the bank. We don't have anybody who has signed a contract with us, but I'm so fucking confident in this system and what high caliber is capable of doing and that the economy is gonna turn itself around in no time, if it already hasn't started turning itself around, to be honest, that I'm willing to put that money out there and know that I'm risking everything I have, but this is the right fucking decision. So we added an engineer, High Caliber added a full-time uh, event coordinator uh, to be able to start putting together the company outings and stuff. We're doubling down back investment into the business to just start off with a goddamn boom. And I'm talking with some of the cart tracks, the people who do distribution and the POS companies and whatnot, and I'm getting feedback of, man, the ones that are open are fucking killing it right now, which gives us confidence that, yes, we're going to as well because we're really damn good at what we do. So now, as I say here today, it's September 2nd at 2.10 p.m. as I record this. In 20 minutes, we're supposed to be getting a, uh, there's supposed to be a conference from the governor that is, it has been rumored that she's going to give us the go-ahead to open back up. Now, if that happens, I've got to pivot my attention real quick on high caliber, get the people in place to make sure that they got the opening done, and I've got a fucking phenomenal team. My core management team, they can get this business up and running in a heartbeat and kick ass with it. I'm going to be there with them to help them out through the process, but ultimately, this whole situation 
put it to where they can run this company now. I can go, I can get combat carding up and running, build the team to get that up, get that that business self-sustaining and operating. And then I can come back to high caliber, see what may have fell through the cracks, see what improvements we need to make, finish up the expansion, grow that company back up, and be able to flip-flop back and forth. This, honestly, it's a dream. It's a dream come true. I can't believe how this all played out. I can't believe how well all of these perceived negative uh, situations fell on our shoulders, how well they came back to actually be positive. And you know, the reason is, is because we look for what do we have control over and staying positive with those negative, uh, those negative situations. If you can do those two things, those two things alone are gonna take you so much further. You're gonna enjoy life more. And if you have a shred of ability to execute in you, you're gonna be one of the most successful people that you could have ever dreamed of being of anybody that you know. Stay positive, one foot in front of the other, focus on what you have control over, you're gonna kick ass. So guys, I hope that this gave you a fantastic update here. I hope that you're enjoying this. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. You know, I've gotten so, a few people that have reached out to me. Uh, one individual that wants to build exactly what we've built based off of this podcast. And that tells me the whole reason I've been doing this whole podcast was to get that. To get somebody to go from, I don't know if I can, to I can fucking do this. Just flip that switch. And I'm telling you right now, you can fucking do it. It's in your head and it's a decision. Take these words of advice, one foot in front of the other. Stay positive. Continue educating yourself. You're going to achieve. Kick some ass, guys. I'll see you later.